0: This morning I want to talk to you about the platform of pressure, <laughs> the platform of pressure. How many people know that pressure can actually be a platform that accelerates you into another dimension in life? Hey. <laughs> How many people are you facing pressure or some stress maybe in the last week or maybe you're going through some circumstances right now, things are starting to come around your life and um, yeah, fantastic. Well this message is going to be great for you and uh, at some stage in our life all of us face pressure. All of us face crisis, all of, all of us face adversity at some point of time. And so this morning I want to talk about um, um, the platform of pressure. And if you've got your Bibles with you, let's turn to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. And it says, do you not know, this is the Apostle Paul speaking. The Apostle Paul was one of the most uh, influential men of the, uh, of the New Testament. Uh, aside from Jesus Christ, no one else uh, would have... Uh, carried the gospel to so many places, had such an effect on the church as we know it today, aside from the Apostle Paul. Man, this guy was fierce. Man, he, was, he had, a, he had a, a tremendous passion for the Lord. There was nothing that would faze him. You know, he had come into a place where there's 20,000 people, a whole city would chant, be chanting and angry and wanted to kill him and wanted to destroy him. And his, and his response was, hey man, what a great opportunity to be able to preach the gospel to him. And, uh, so although he would have felt fear, he would have felt pressure, he did make a decision. And, and it was because of the decisions that he made every day caused him to become such, a, such an influential figure. So here we come in, uh, in uh, verse 24. He says, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? Run in a way, run in such a way that you may obtain it. In other words, run your life in a way that you can obtain a prize. Run your life um, uh, according to the purpose that God has designed you, because there is a purpose in your life. Pastor Mark has been preaching on that a while ago. And friend, if you are, uh, if you don't have any purpose in your life, if you don't have a goal, if you've got nothing that you're reaching towards, then friend, your life will—you'll you, never ever get off the starting line. The gun will go, and before you know it, everyone's at the other end. So there's a line, there's, there is a prize, there is an inheritance that's laid up for every one of, uh, every one of us. And um, it's what compels us, I believe, to, to press on. It's one of those things that empowered or compelled Paul to move on. And uh, I mean, what do you think that, uh, uh, I mean, it's one of the reasons that motivates us in ministry as pastors. It's because of uh, what God wants to do in your life. And, but there's also a prize that God has laid up ahead for us. And he goes on to say, run in such a way, run your life in such a way that you may obtain this, this prize or this reward that God has for you. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now, they, they do it to obtain, like we're talking about athletes. Athletes do this to obtain a perishable crown, but we do it for an imperishable crown. Everybody say, imperishable crown. Therefore I run, thus not with uncertainty, thus I fight, not one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest that when I preach to others, I myself may become disqualified or miss out. So he's talking about, the Apostle Paul is talking about, he, um, he's using the illustration of an athlete, how he presses on for a prize. And he, uh, uh, for those of you that are, are athletes, in order to win that medal, that medal isn't going to come just by you sitting in bed and uh, watching sports on TV. It won't happen. That medal will come by getting up at 4 o'clock in the morning, exerting yourself, putting yourself into into places that you just think are jolly ridiculous sometimes. And uh, maybe if you're... you're you're into rowing or something like that, and uh, you get up at 4 o'clock in the morning, no, no matter whether it's raining, no matter whether it's hailing or snowing or anything like that, you put yourself into a place, you, uh, your, your body will probably say, man, you want to stay in bed, but something inside of you pushes you on. It's not, it's not the snow, it's not the, the, um, it, it's not the rain, it's not the bad weather, it's, 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 it's the foresight, it's the sight further on that one day there is a gold medal with my name on it. But as an athlete runs for a gold medal, a piece of matter, a piece of material, the Bible also talks about that there is a crown, there is an eternal reward that lies in eternity for you and I. Paul is talking about here, you and I have got to run our lives in a way that we may obtain that. Friends, you are not going to re- uh, receive your reward just by re- uh, living a nominal Christian life. I don't know if you're, you're be a father here and you've got a child and... And uh, one of the jobs for the child is to mow the lawns. And, uh, I mean, if you're giving out pocket money, you're giving out a reward. But I mean, you just don't give out the pocket money. You give them jobs to do. And if they don't do the job, you don't get the pocket money. Yeah? it's pretty simple. So it's the same principle. God has got a plan and a purpose for you and I to walk through. And he has got a reward for every one of you in heaven right now. And so most of the time we live our life in a... In a um, uh, we only, all we can see is just the, the life that we're living in now. And so we live according to that. We don't live according to an eternal purpose. And, so, and, and Pastor Mike has been talking a bit about that. Um, a perishable crown. A perishable crown he's talking about there is a crown that's made out of material or just matter. And so many times most people run their lives uh, trying to find... Uh, trying to obtain material crowns that one day either sink, get burnt up, get smacked up, get turned into a waddy's baked bean can, or just turn into dust. Because, friend, everything that we have, every resource comes just from dust. And it's just matter. It's just, some people are very clever at making matter into some pretty, pretty-looking things. <laughs> But at the end of the day, it is still dust. It is still material. And so many times we, we spend our life, we spend our thoughts, we spend our emotions, we spend our, our money on buying something that at the end of the day is just dust and will one day be destroyed. But there is, a, 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 uh, there is an imperishable crown that God has got aside for every one of you. I was talking to Dad the other day, and, and my mum and dad were um, were setting up a will, and uh, and, uh he was, he was, Dad was talking to me about the will and he said, Oh, Dave, said, Go he said, I need to fill out this will, I need to um, delegate out my possessions. And uh, I said, well, that's great, man. Let's let's talk about this. And um <laughs> sounds like, I like those conversations, <laughs> sort of. But um anyway, and then he started to laugh. He said, he started to laugh and say, Hey Dave. He said, I actually don't <laughs> I shouldn't really have a lot to give you. <laughs> he he said I mean I've got my car. Uh I got some few I got a little gold watch. He said, Oh there's, there's, there's this this is this set right there. And that tea set man, that's a that's an eighteenth century solid silver tea set and that's worth about 8000 dollars. And I looked at it, and like, Yeah. <laughs> when was the last time you used it? <laughs> so dirty, it's never been used. He said, Oh you can have that. that belongs to you and he said, Oh Dave, I've got some guns and and, and, and that's about it. <laughs> and I got my Bible, and I was sitting there thinking, Dad, I said, Dad, I said, what do you have? You try and describe that to a lawyer. Try and get him to put that down on a will. <laughs> Dad, there is nothing. What you have, a, a will can't contain it. What you have, it's not matter. It's not a perishable crown. It is an imperishable crown that will last for generations and generations. That will spread right around the world. And everybody can tap into that. Everybody can have an inheritance in that. And one day when he stands before, not only the, the imperishable crown, I believe God's talk, he's talking about here. God wants to take you to a, a higher plane of living. Not, he hasn't just got an a, a, a imperishable crown in heaven for you. But he's got a higher plane on earth that he wants you to step up into he has got a higher dimension that he wants you to walk into that that money cannot buy that won't that won't just fall apart because of, because of rust or moth or anything like that he has got it there's treasures that you can inherit on the earth there's a higher plane there's a higher dimension that you can walk in right now and nothing no it, it, it can't be put into a will it can't be put into will. If you become a son or if you, if, you, if, you, if you become adopted into the kingdom of God, you have an inheritance in that. And so there is an a, imperishable crown. There is something that you can spend your life and uh, put your life into that will last forever, that will last for generation to generation. We were singing a song back just before. He says, from age to age he stands. Something in your life right now, the decisions that you make in your life right now, they can either, uh, you can either watch them burn out or your grandchildren or your sons and daughters could eventually sell them off or uh, pawn them off or whatever like that, or you can vest your life into something that's gonna last forever. So here he's talking about a imperishable crown. I bring my body into subjection. I discipline my soul. I, I, I come into obedience. I put myself under pressure till I uh, bring, my, bring my soul under dominion. Uh, I bring my body into subjection. Not, not because of a monetary thing, not because of a matter thing, but because of an imperishable crown. This Friend, this is the whole purpose of going through undercover. The whole purpose of going through undercover is not just about um, God wants to stamp his, uh, his dictatorship upon your life. It's not about that. It is because... The whole reason for doing this is so that you discipline your soul, that your soul becomes into alignment, so that you, the fruit of that is that you walk into a higher plane, that you work and walk into a higher dimension of what God wants you to have in your life. It's because he's got a, 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 an imperishable crown for your life. So we've got to get our hearts, we've got to get our minds around that. And so I discipline it and, and bring it into subjection. At least when I've preached to others, I could become disqualified. Friend, I don't want to miss out on that. I don't want to uh, miss out on what God hasn't planned for me because I haven't been able to take dominion over my own soul. So here's a man who, who is, man, he is moving in the power of God. He is a man that, um, I mean, the church is on fire because of uh, this man's influence. He is a, I mean, we read about him now, and, I mean, just the fact that his name is in the Bible, man, his pa- what he has done in his life is, is so significant, yet he still says, just in case I miss out, I keep on bringing my body into subjection. Because you remember, I mean, he goes on later on, he, he, he learns from um, Moses and the Israelites. Because even, like even Moses, I mean, Moses, tremendous man of God, they, they moved in signs and wonders that, that you and I haven't even seen yet. But yet even Moses missed out on what God had planned for him. Why? Because he couldn't take dominion over his soul. The Bible says in Proverbs somewhere, that better is the man who has rule over his own spirit than he who takes a city. So this is the most important thing about what we're going through right now, is that you discover your purpose, that you discover kingdom values, that you discover kingdom principles, and uh, that you learn to take dominion over your soul and bring it into subjection. Amen. It's because there's an an imperishable crown for you. And so uh, let's just turn in our Bibles uh, over to uh, Mark chapter 2. So he puts the whole thing about discipline, the whole thing about about taking dominion over your own soul. Last week I talked about pressure and... uh, when, you start to, when God starts to shape things in your life, when you start to grow, when you start to enlarge in your life, there will become pressure. There becomes pressure around your life, and it's up to us how we choose to respond to that. When we're talking about pressure, um, we're also talking about the word um, a- adversity or temptation or crisis. Think, one thing about pressure is this. It reveals your capacity. You only have to put something under a little bit of pressure to find out what it's truly made of. And uh, so pressure puts you in a place of decision where you choose to grow and enlarge and expand and come into a new dimension of living or whether you stay the same. So that pressure can come in the way of temptation. That pressure can come in the way of adverse circumstances. That pressure can come in the way of crisis. That pressure can come in the way of adversity. Anyway, pressure, in whatever forms it comes, is there to help you grow. And it it's is there to help you enlarge. It comes and it puts you into a place where you have to decide. Every one of you, every one of us, when we come to a place of pressure, we make a decision. You make a decision whether you grow and enlarge. You come up, or you make a decision that you crawl into your cave and roll over and withdraw. The whole thing about pressure, you, it, it's there to enlarge you. See, many people spend their entire lives avoiding Pressure, trying to steer away from it, trying to, it's like they're scared of pressure, they're scared of adversity, they're scared of confrontation, they're scared of change. Friend, if you live your life like that, you'll never ever grow, it'll never ever bring you forward. They don't see, many people don't see the benefit of pressure, what pressure is. So this morning, I wanna, like I said, I want to talk about the whole thing about pressure being a platform or crisis being a platform for you to grow on. And so many people live their lives trying to avoid it and don't see the benefit of it and believe when it comes, something wrong must be happening. But I've talked to many people and it's like, hey, how are you doing? Oh, uh, I'm under attack from the devil. One of the first questions I ask is, why? (laughs) Why why would he be attacking you? And it's like there's this whole uh, countenance that comes across their face and it's like, oh, life is tough, life is, yes, certainly life is tough. There is times when the devil doesn't come and attack you. But one, I would ask, why why is he attacking you? Is there a part of your life that is uncovered, (laughs) that's giving him permission to attack you, or are you just standing up and extending the kingdom of God? So if you're under attack from the devil, you've got to ask those questions. Why? Is it because of something that I'm doing or something that I'm not doing? We must be under actually what crisis is, what pressure is, what temptation is, what uh, negative circumstances are, what adversity is, it's actually not always negative. In fact, most of the time it's not, But except we have a perception that it is. And so when we have that negative perception of pressure, you and I will try and avoid it. But what it is, it's actually an opportunity from God for you to grow. Because if you want to be an overcomer, if you want to, lay a hold of this imperishable crown, you've actually got to overcome some things. You've actually got to face some pressure. If you want to grow, there'll be pressure. The Bible says, we talked about last week, um, you shall expand to the right and to the left. Somebody's going to stretch you out, man. Somebody's going to put some pressure on their life. So God, when he wants to grow you and enlarge you, he will send maybe, I don't know, maybe he'll send, uh, I don't know, the pastor or your mother or your father or somebody to put some pressure and stretch you out a little bit. Maybe he'll send some circumstances which you think are from the devil, but actually not, they sent from God to help you stretch and help you put you into a, give you an opportunity for you to enlarge. And friend, when you, when you change your perspective on pressure, when you change your perspective on what God is, uh, on circumstances like this, you, your whole life can turn around. And so, uh, so it, is not, it, it is an opportunity to move into a greater dimension. See, friend, kingdom life is not always rosy. Some people, when they come to church and they give their lives to God, think that it's going to be, uh, man, going to, all of a sudden you're going to have little angels around you playing little harps and everything. Your whole life's going to go rosy. Friends, if that is a false gospel. Because when you truly enter into the kingdom, when you truly enter into the place where God wants you to have, there will be pressure because what you have is one kingdom one kingdom pushing against another and there will be pressure, there will be adversity, there will be, um, there will be things come against you. But they're not... Just to try and kill you, it's actually meant that the, the bigger purpose is that God would cause you to enlarge. Why? Not just because you have a miserable life on earth, but because he has something in eternity for you to inherit. You ever seen a soldier with a, with a, with, with a badge with a purple heart or something like that? They don't get that cross for being a nice boy. They didn't get that purple heart just for uh, making good cups of coffee. They got that reward, they got that inheritance because they put themselves in a position where they were under pressure, where they had to grow, and now you see them standing tall as a, as a strong soldier. So kingdom life is not always rosy. When you walk in the, in the life that God has called you to, life is not always going to be easy. Life is not always going to be easy. But there will be a life of opportunities for you to enlarge. Devils will be stirred when you start to exert into the kingdom, when you start to move out, when you start to enforce his kingdom, when you start to win people's hearts, when you start to carry his presence, when you start to live your life as a Christian, devils will get stirred up. Now it's not, many people get confused with actually living an effective Christian life to actually making silly decisions. Some people have adversity because they're making stupid decisions. Some people have financial pressure across their life because they've been unable to manage their, their finances properly. It's not uh, that God necessarily wants to... He, he does want to bless you, but you open up your life and you make silly decisions. Man, you are going to have some strife. So there is a difference. Stop, don't make silly decisions. Get, make sure you get wisdom about your finances and stuff like that. So God wants to... He wants to bring pressure around your life for you to enlarge. So the fact that you're here today... The fact that you may be even facing pressure right now is an indication that you haven't been conquered. So if you're facing pressure in your life right now, there must be something in your life that that either God wants to try and enlarge or the devil wants to try and quench. Either way, there's something of value. There's something in your life, man, that you've got to tap into and find out what it is. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's turn to Mark chapter 2. And in verse 1, he says, and again, he entered into Capernaum, and after so many days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Friend, it was heard that Jesus was in the house. Man, Jesus was walking. Jesus had started his ministry, and uh, man, there was, a, there was an advancement of the kingdom of God. Man, there were things happening, and it was heard. Why? Because people were talking about it. So, friend, hey, if you've got a testimony of Christ has done something in your life, friends, you need to talk about it. You need to tell the world. People need to know what God has done in your life. Man, if you've been set free of drugs, tell me about it. If you've been set free of, of any sort of addiction, if man, if God done, done something powerful in your life, you need to testify of it. Testify of it. Why? Because other people can find victory in your testimony. The Bible says that they overcame him. They overcame the adversary. He, they overcame the devil by the, word, by the word of their testimony. You want to overcome the works of the devil, then testify of the goodness of God. So it was heard that they were in the house. It was heard that Jesus was in the house. It was heard that Jesus was in the lives of believers. It was heard that Jesus was doing something. And immediately, many people gathered together so that it was no longer room. Everybody say the capacity was full. So had this house, and Jesus was in the house, and, uh, and things were happening. Friends, whenever Jesus is, people will be attracted to it. And so Jesus, this man came, opened up his house and said, hey, Jesus, come into my house. And said, so Jesus was in the house and he started to do some things. But the house was only of a certain size. So so many people crammed up and the house got full to capacity. When it was full to capacity, there was no more room. No more people could get in. It was full up. When you looked at that, when you looked at this place, it was full up. There, was press, there were people pressing against, um, uh, against the doors. There were people, people pressing against the windowsills. There were people pressing against each other and digging each other and poking each other. And th- the place was crammed. It was chock a block. There was no room for anything else. There was no room for any. There was, it was a, man, it was a pressure cooker. So here, yeah, Jesus is trying to minister. Jesus is talking. And people are jammed in. And so, so you see it, so that there, there was no longer room. Friend, you've got a decision to make when you invite Jesus Christ. When Jesus Christ comes into your life, he is going to start to work on your life. He is going to start to put pressure because it's in his nature of the kingdom to enlarge and expand. So when you invite him, when you have him into your life, if you picture your life as, as, as that house, when you bring him in, when he is alive and moving inside of you, there will be pressure. There will be enlargement. There will be, be a hey, come on, Rodney, man, we need to get out. We need to go and see these people saved. Man, we need to enlarge over here. We need to enlarge over here. There will be a pressure because it is it is the mandate of the kingdom. It's the DNA of the kingdom of God. So when it's in you, when you invite them into your house, there will be a pressure wanting to enlarge. And the only thing, the only thing that we're we hindering that is your soul. It's the house that you live in. And so he says that, there was a, uh, that the house was full up. And so uh, there was no longer room to receive, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. And it says in verse three, he says then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. Here we needed a man. They had a uh, man. All he could do was just he could just talk, maybe move his head, maybe. But that was about it. When somebody is paralyzed, they uh, the head has, the head can respond, the head can, is functional, but the body is not. Imagine if you were—you were paralyzed. You could—you—you you, you could dream, you could talk, you could say a lot of things, but one thing you couldn't do was move anything, any part of your body. You were paralyzed, and they don't have, they didn't have the care back then of what we have now. You, you, man, you were in a—you were in a state. Your life was in a state when you were when you were when you were paralyzed. I don't know how he became paralyzed. Maybe it was because uh, when he was born, or maybe whatever the, whatever the cause, it was a result of sin. But here he's got these four men, that was heard that Jesus was in the house. It was heard that uh, I don't know who told him, but somebody must have told him. He says, They said, Man, did you hear that there was a man that can bring that man that is working miracles? And he's he's only just down the road. He's he's in this person's house. And this uh, And somebody must have started to testify to what what Jesus had been doing. So this man started to get all excited. Something inside of him saying, hey, I'm sick of living as a paralytic. I'm sick of living like this. Somebody get me to Jesus. Somebody get me to that house that I know where Jesus is at. And so he's in dire straits of a miracle. I mean, he's, he's probably been lying like this. all. I mean, he can't even, he can't go to the toilet by himself. He has to have somebody, either somebody cleans him up for him, or, I mean, he's just covered in the stuff. No, he can't even shower himself. He can't bath himself. His life is a mess. Maybe some of you here today, your life is like that. Your life is a mess. Friend, the only person that can sort your life out, that can bring healing, that can bring cleansing into your life is Jesus. It is Jesus. And friend, he, he, he wants to, and, and so friend, Jesus, when Jesus is in the house, we're talking about, uh, figuratively, we're talking about Jesus. Yes, his presence is here right now in this building. And friend, this building ain't even, even big enough for us anymore. This place here is too small. Look, there's people right to the back. Jesus is also living inside of your life right now and he's wanting to bring people into your life where the Jesus inside of you, the Spirit of God inside of you can minister to the people. But unless your life is full, if your life is full, if it's cluttered up with lots of stuff, there's going to be no outflow of the presence of God to touch people's lives. So here's this man and he's, And he hears about Jesus, so he he, he gets four of his friends, and he says, Hey, guys, guys, carry me to Jesus. Take me to Jesus. So the four men, they pick him up, and I don't know how far the distance could have been, but, man, this guy could have been very, very heavy. So these four guys, they pick up this man, and they carry him to Jesus. Any minute now, we're going to get around this corner, and as they start to get closer and closer and closer, they start to hear this commotion. We must be getting closer to Jesus. Why? Because there is a noise. <laughs> and so they get closer and closer and closer. Next thing you know, they get around, they see the house. Excitement starts to wind up in his heart. My miracle is just around the corner. My miracle is just, I can hear it, I can sense it, I, can, I know it's on its way, I know it's just there, my miracle, my breakthrough. I know it's just there. So they get around the corner and there he is, expecting to see Jesus out. But, The house was full up. Can you imagine the despair? Can you imagine what it would have been like for that man that he looks at at his miracle and hears his miracle, what he's been dreaming of all his life, what he's been hoping for, what he's been praying for, what he's been standing in faith for, what he's been fasting for, what he's been spending hours in prayer for. So close, but yet so far away. Can you imagine the pressure that would have come around the guys at that time? It was a place of it was a place of crisis. It was a place of adversity. It was a place of pressure. And so, he's, guys, I want to ask you this question: If you were that man, if you, if you were in that situation, what would have your response been? See, this is why we've got to learn to take dominion over our soul. Most, like, because our, our soul our, our, is the it's it's the real us. And our soul, like we talked about last week, made up of our mind, will, and emotions. And when we can fall to capacity, and our, our will is the part of us that makes that decision. Either we choose to live out of our emotions, either we choose to live out of our mind, or we choose to live out of our spirit, or we choose to live out of our flesh. So every one of us lives in a certain realm there. The original mandate is that we live, we are a spirit being, and we're guided and led by the spirit. The, the original way God created us is that we don't live out of our emotions, that we're led by our spirit. And our emotions are there to put expression, and our, 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 our thinking is there is also to put expression into, uh, into what we're feeling, into, into what's inside of our spirit. Of course, our body gives the, the outward expression. And so here, so many people, we live in a, in a place of... Uh, whereas God's called us to live out of our spirits, what God is trying to do right now in our lives is he's trying to get us into a place that we, we, we grow and, and, and start to live not just out of our, our emotions, not out of our thinking, but out of the spirit, because we are a spirit being, our spirit is the part of us that relates and connects to God. If you want to move in the supernatural, if you want to move in the things of God, then you've got to have a First of all, have a spirit alive inside of you, and you've got to learn to take dominion over your, over your feelings. It's not controlling your, your emotions, it's managing your emotions. There's a big difference. It's a part of, because our mind cannot comprehend the things that God has. Our mind often has trouble um, comprehending the things of the supernatural. When we see a miracle, when we see something supernatural come out of heaven, we look at that thing, and uh, how many people saw that diamond? Yeah. I bet you if I asked every one of you individually, every one of you would have had a different response to that diamond. My first response was, surely not. My mind could not comprehend that what was in heaven now manifested itself on earth. Now, friends, I've seen miracles before. I mean, I've seen people deliver. But when I saw that, it stretched. It put a pressure on my mind. It put a pressure on my soul. Why? Because... Uh, it doesn't have a comprehension as yet of the things of the kingdom. It doesn't have, it can understand the fullness of, of of the supernatural. The Bible says that his ways, Bible, God says, my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. I live in a different playing field. When In, in Revelation chapter 4, um, John, when John was in the spirit, uh, he opened his eyes and he heard a voice and the, and the Lord said, come up here. So God wants us to come and to live up in a different playing field, on a different dimension, not just in our natural life, but also in the spirit as well. But to do that, he's got to put us under pressure. When when you come to a place of pressure, when you come to a place of decision, it will be an opportunity for you to grow, or it will be an opportunity. So imagine you are in that place right now. Some of you, when you come to that place, if you live out of your emotions, you would have uh, thought something like this. Um, well, I know God wants to heal. Maybe, maybe God doesn't want to heal me. You would have come to that place. You would have come to the place of, of breakthrough where Jesus was. But all of a sudden, it's like rejection would have set in and hey, maybe God doesn't like me. Self-pity, disappointment. It's not fair. Why did all these people... It's not fair that I'm in this condition like this. If I could only just... If I only just heard about it, if you guys carried me faster, then I would have been able to get here quicker. So when people live out of their emotions, when people let their emotions dictate what, how, what and how they live, they'll come to the place, and you'll never have their breakthrough. Friend, if they lived by their emotions, he would have never got his breakthrough. He would have left the place all full of self-pity, full of rejection, full of offense, full of disappointment. It's not fair. Friend, I've been in positions where where God has been do, something doing something supernatural and I knew you wanted to grow me, but I couldn't comprehend it. And I came away feeling God doesn't love me. God's not interested in me. I'm all rejected. I've been in positions like that. But through that, God enlarged me. For some people, they live out of circumstance. They would have got to the place. You would have got there and... You would have seen the place full and all of a sudden circumstance or, or fate would have, would have taken, the, uh, taken the dominant thought. Well, hey, it's full up. Maybe God never wanted me to have a breakthrough anyway. Or it's not my time for my miracle. It's not my time yet to be able to stand up. It's not my time to be a minister. It's not my time to move in this dimension. Maybe it'll be another time around the corner. Maybe tomorrow. Maybe the next day. Maybe something else. Maybe it'll be the next, next preacher that comes through. So, so many people live on circumstances. We see it at face value. Hey, God never had it for me. I'll move off. For some people, they move out of their, They live out of their thinking. You, 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 I mean, God's put it there to, for you to be thinkers. But sometimes when we come and we, we we come to our place of miracle, our mind starts to take over, and we start to think. We start to think skeptically of it. So when I first saw that diamond, one of the first things in my mind was, "It's not real. Uh, somebody must have just." They fall out of their pocket or something like that. Unbelief starts to rise up in our heart. It starts to put pressure on our emotions. It starts to put pressure on our thinking. And that, but that pressure is there to enlarge you. And so when you come to your breakthrough, some people will start to try and reason it out. Some people will start to say, hey man, it's, it's nothing's going to happen anyway. It's, what are they all excited about? And so people often live out of their, um, their 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 mind, or start to start to reason reason it out, or can't understand. One of the things um, in the in the past week about John with John Bevere, the, the undercover, about the whole thing of temptation, the whole thing of obedience. Quite often we try to reason it out instead of being obedient. But 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 if you and, and it's, if you understand that, our mind will start to reason why we haven't got our breakthrough, why this is like it is, just because it's uncomfortable and just because it can't understand it. But God wants to enlarge our capacity of our thinking. God wants to enlarge our thinking so it's a place, hey, maybe it is possible. See, friends, some people will come to this church and say, man, what a great big church. This is a, this is a, a massive facility. I look at the same thing and says, yes, it's a great facility, but it's way too small. Some people try and pull back our thinking and say, hey, we're believing for 600, we're believing for 1,000. And some people's thinking, because it's so jolly small, we're saying, oh, you're just dreaming. It's unrealistic. Friends, I don't want a church of 1,000. Friends, I'm believing that this place will grow. I'm believing that this place would enlarge. I can't see, I, I can see it in my heart. I can see it in my thinking. But, but I've got to get my head around it. God wants to enlarge me. God wants to enlarge you. God wants to bring you to a place of breakthrough. God wants to bring you to a place of pressure. God wants to bring you to a place of crisis, not because he hates you, not because he wants to destroy you, not because of anything negative like that. What he wants to do is he wants to bring you up to a higher dimension of living. Not just, He wants to bring to you an imperishable crown that you can wear on your head, not just in this life, but also in eternity. That's why. That is why he brings crisis. That is why he brings, allows these things to come around your life. When you look at the attitude of these four men, and these four men, I don't know what this guy would have been looking at, but if if I was one of those four men, I would have seen the disappointment on that face. So close, but yet so far away. So close, but yet so far away. But you look at the attitude of these four men. They would have looked looked at this man. They said, dude, we have carried you this far. We have carried you 10 miles to this place, and we're tired. We've carried you too far to take you back. We've brought you this far. We're not taking you back. We're not going to carry you back. We've carried you here to this place of opportunity. We carried you to this place where Jesus is. We've carried you to this place right now. We're tired. We're not going to go back. We're not going to carry you back, man. We've got too much invested in this right now. We've got too much invested. Man, we have had to walk over logs. We we've got blisters on our feet. Man, I've, had to, I've fasted too many days. I've prayed too many hours. I've cried too many tears to be able to bring you back. As a church, friends, we're not going back. We're not going to shrink. We have come too far. Different ones of us have invested too much of our lives into this place. We've invested too much of our lives into your life right now to stand here and say, okay, sit down, that's all right. We're not going back. We're not going to go back into unbelief. We're not going to go back into small-mindedness. We're not going to go back into poverty. We're not going to go back into defeat. That's not going to happen. We've got too much invested into this right now. You've got too much Invested right now. You've got an opportunity. We have got an opportunity as base of the outreach center right now to enlarge and to impact the community and beyond. We're not going to go back. I love what, what, um, what um, William Wallace said. Wouldn't it be, would you trade all your years from now just to come back to this one day, to this one opportunity Are you willing? Yes, you may die. Yes, something may happen to you. But are you willing to to trade all the rest of your days for one opportunity to come back to this day right now to make a difference in your community? That's a pressure decision. But it's not because God wants to confine you. It's because he wants to enlarge you. We've come too far. See, in the, fresher, in, the, in the face of pressure, they chose boldness. If you have a choice. When you face pressure, when you face temptation, when you face adversity, when you face crisis, you have a decision to make. And only you can make that decision. See, Jesus let the pressure show what was really in them. I mean, Jesus would have known. I mean, I mean, Jesus knew all things. He knew the thoughts of men. He would have known about this man going to come and receive one miracle. But I reckon if... I reckon Jesus probably hid himself in the crowd. So if you really want this breakthrough, if you really want to enlarge, if you really want this, if you really want your reward, if you really want this crown... Yeah, I'm going to put something, I'm going to make it, I'm going to give you an opportunity for you to enlarge, for you to have to push through. So friends, you never know what's inside of you until you come under a little bit of pressure. You never ever know what truly is inside of you until you come under a bit of pressure. Like on Gladiator, when, when, the, when the gladiators got put into that, that pan, and the guy was saying, you will fight. He says, some of you think you know how to fight, some people think you can't fight. Some will say inside, you won't fight. But when you get in that ring, you'll fight. When you come under pressure, you will fight. You'll be surprised what's inside of you when you come. Some will just curl over, roll up. But some will see, hey man, this is an opportunity for me to enlarge. So in the face of opposition, in the face of pressure, these guys chose boldness. And for anyone to look at what they did, so they saw so they came to him, and because they could not get in because of the crowd, they, what they do, they, there's got to be another way inside of this. There's got to be another way past this. If we can't get in the door, if we we can either burrow underneath. Somehow, somewhere, we're going to get this breakthrough. We've come too far. I don't care, man, if we have to... Do what it, we're going to do whatever it takes to get you into that miracle. We're going to do what it takes to get you into that place of breakthrough. And so they get up onto this roof, and that wasn't their own. It wasn't their own house. It was somebody else's house. And these guys they didn't bring a. They didn't just drill a little hole, just a little brain. They didn't drill, drill no small hole. And they started pulling up a whole jolly roof, a, a hole big enough for somebody to get through. See the roof speaks of somebody's capacity. They couldn't go up. They couldn't go out. They couldn't go down. But somebody found a way. Somebody knew that Jesus was inside of them. Somebody knew that Jesus was going to do a miracle. And so they... They didn't let they didn't let they didn't let the circumstances dictate. They didn't let their mind. They didn't let their emotions. They didn't let their thinking dictate what was going to happen. They didn't let it happen. They weren't going to let it happen. They decided, "Hey, man, we're going to find another way through here." So they get up on the roof. They start to dig the hole, and then they lower Jesus. They lower this man down to Jesus. And then the Bible says that when Jesus saw that, when they, Jesus saw their faith, where they uncovered the roof where He was. Everybody say, "The sky's the limit." The sky is the limit. When they open, when they when they broke through the capacity, when they when they busted open the container that held the uh, they held the miracle inside. When they had broke through, they lowered the man in. And so, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to them, "The paralytic son, your sons are forgiven you." And then he goes on to say, "Um, but that you may in verse ten, that, but that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth." Everybody say, "The Son of Man has power." On earth, to forgive sins. And I say to you, arise, take up your bed and go to a house. Immediately he rose, took up the bed, and went out in all the, with all the presence, uh, in the presence of them all. So that all the people were amazed. Everybody say, all the people. All the people were amazed. And they said, and they glorified God. In other words, they jumped up and down, they shouted, and they said, we have never seen anything like this. Friends, you've got to understand that Christ was ministering to them at one point. At one level. But see, Christ knew this was going to all happen. And he allowed it to happen. So they could be brought to a higher plane of living. So that they could grow from one dimension into another dimension. Friends, when the, 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 the last thing they said there, we have never ever seen anything like this. Friends, when people look at your life in the future, when people look at this church in the future, they're going to say, We have never, ever seen a church function like this. I've never seen the Christianity move like this. I have never thought this could be possible, that a church could grow from from 15 people to to 200 people to 500 people to 1,000 people to 5,000 people. I never knew a church could grow so big in in such a community of Hastings. We've never seen anything like this. For some of you, your lid, your capacity, the roof may be on your family, maybe been over your finances. Maybe here you are, there's been poverty in your life. Maybe poverty has run wild in your family. Maybe no one in your family has ever, ever owned a house before. See, friend, poverty is not, it is not a lack of money. Poverty is an attitude. Poverty is a spirit when you decide that the spirit is no longer, when this limitation is no longer going to be on your family. You may have every excuse under the sun, but I know that these people here have decided, yes, there has been a limitation, yes, but this limitation here is going to be my platform to accelerate into a greater dimension. Friend, that person's house, one person's limitation can be another person's platform for growth. Friend, whatever you're going through in your life, whatever limitation has been upon your life, somebody, somehow, is going to get up on your roof. You're going to start to dig inside of you. Maybe it's through the uh, the course that we're doing right now, maybe it's going to be somewhere else. Maybe it's going to be temptation. Maybe it's going to be adversity. Maybe it's going to be something else. But God somehow is going to put somebody in a position where you either grow and enlarge or whether you stay in your limitation, whether you stay under that roof, whether you allow that roof that's ceiling upon your life to stay for the next generation and the next generation and the next generation. People here today, friend, maybe no one else has owned a home in your entire family. Friend, today it's time. You stood on that limitation. That becomes a platform for you to own your own home. That's a breakthrough. That's a miracle. Come on, give the Lord a shout of praise. Let's quickly turn back to 1 Corinthians 10. We're just going to finish up in a minute. We just have the band quickly come up. Oh man, something's about to break loose. Something's going to break through in your life this morning. Something's going to break loose in this church. I'm telling you right now. And so Paul starts to finish up this talk about the whole thing about bringing his soul, bringing his body into, into, under authority and into, under dominion. And it says in, in 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13, it says, No temptation... Everybody say no temptation, no crisis, no pressure, no adversity, no circumstance, no circumstance, no no pressure has overcome you, no pressure has come upon you that, that you are unable to bear. The Bible says here, no temptation has overcome you except what is common to man. You may be in a pressure cooker right now and the world may be spinning around and you may not know what to do, but the one thing you can do and say, God, I don't understand what you're trying to do. I don't understand all these things, but one thing I do understand is this, that you want to enlarge me, that you want to grow me, that you want to take me up into a greater dimension. So God, I entrust my life into your hands. I entrust what you're doing into your care and I trust that what you're working in my life, you will bring out for good. No temptation has overcome you except what is common to man. Friend, the thing is when you're in a crisis, most of the time you think the whole world is falling apart. When people get themselves into a crisis, their whole world, man, they can't do nothing. Some people, man, they get a headache and they fall over. Can't come to church today because I've got a headache. Oh. Nothing has come around your life except which is common to man. Friend, what he's saying there is this. that, That crisis that you're going through right now, that pressure that you're facing right now, you're not the only one that's gone through that. Although it may feel like you're the only one in there, although it may feel like your life's falling apart, other people have gone through the same thing. And if other people have gone through it, then you can go through it as well. He finishes off by saying this. No temptation has overtaken you except which is common to man. But God. Everybody say, but God. But God. But God. But God. He says, but God is faithful. Everybody say, God is faithful. And he will not allow you to be able to, to be tempted. Or in other words, he will not put you in a position that you cannot break out of. He will not allow you to come into a crisis. He will not allow you to face temptation or pressure or adversity that he knows that you can't break out of. Why? Because of this, when he, when, when he created man, when he created you, right from the, anyway, you know where I'm meaning, right from that part there, the breath of God came inside of your life. Something of the DNA of God, the seed of God came inside of your life. And he knows, he knows that when he looks inside of your life right now, when he looks at your adversity, when he looks at your problem, when he looks at your circumstance, he just doesn't see that, he sees the spirit of himself that he's placed inside of you. He sees the kingdom. He sees the spirit of God that lives within you right now. Oh yeah. No temptation except what is common to man. But God is faithful. He knows that you've got what it takes to break through. He knows that, he knows that what he's put inside of you has the capacity, has the strength to overcome because the Bible say that greater is he that is in me than is he that is in the world. There's nothing the world can throw at me that's going to conquer me, that's going to hold me down. Everything that world pulls at me, I'm going to use that as a, as a stepping stone. Every pressure, every crisis that comes upon my life, I'm going to use that as a stepping stone to come up from this level to that level to that level. So bring it on. Bring it on. Last up he says, he will not allow you to come into a place. It won't happen. But with that temptation, he will make the way of escape that you'll be able to stand up. Why? Because he wants to make his name great. He wants to build faith in your life. He wants to build character in your life. He wants to build commitment into your life. You know, the Bible says, the eyes of the Lord roam to and fro from the earth looking for hearts that are loyal. They've got their, what it takes to stick in. To whom he may show himself strong, to whom he may show himself powerful, that you may be able to bear it, And that his name will be made great. That the name of Jesus will be lifted high in your life. That the name of Jesus will be lifted high in this church. That the name of Jesus will be lifted high in Hawke's Bay. That the name of Jesus will be lifted high in New Zealand. Amen. Come on, why don't you just stand on your feet and give the Lord a shout of praise.